Hello, everyone. Welcome back to making an arsenal of myself. <laughs> and boy, oh boy, the, the, the team, the squad today almost made an absolute arsenal of themselves. The tone of this podcast that's about to happen, uh, let's just say, could be very different if the last five minutes of the game against Benfica today goes different. But it didn't. So, for all of the ups and downs, for all of the games where it should be easy... And of course it's not. We can at least rejoice and say, hey, this time we did it. You know, you've got the the Olympicos. uh, What was that, last year? You know, obviously that one went a little differently. Um, This one here uh, today... Oh, boy. I was at work watching that. I... I, Here I am. At work. Oh, you know, they, they, they pretty much dominated that last week. And, you know, they've got the away goal. And Benfica's been on a poor run. And I'll be able to get some stuff done while the game's on. Oh, yeah. Sure. Sure. That was all going according to plan until, you know, the free kick at the end of the half. But, yeah. And then the last, oh, my goodness gracious. That second half was just an emotional roller coaster. That's the best way to put that. Anyway... Uh, let's let's get into the podcast. I know we're all shocked that I'm on time this week. Look at that. Look at me go. Proud of myself. We're here. That game, like I just said, Arsenal versus Benfica, like two just happened a, a mere couple of hours ago. Yeah, intense. But hey, with Arsenal, what more could you possibly expect? We have two games to plot hole. I'll probably just kind of, you know, breeze through the first one. Man City last week. I, I, you know, that game was what it was. I have a couple thoughts on it and the way. The fans reacted after that. But obviously most of my thoughts today are going to be about the Europa League. So, without further ado, I'm going to cue the plot holes sound effect and we're going to get into it. So here we go. Plot holes time. Okay, first one. Let's just let's just breeze through the Man City game. 
plot holes. Uh, decently strong team to come out and play. You know, they rotated. I say decently strong because obviously Mikel made uh, a number of changes with the Europa League and all the matches being played. Reasonable. Makes a lot of sense. Pablo Mari gets back in the action. But we still see Odegaard, which I was excited for, just to kind of see how that plays out. And uh, as the trend apparently has been against Man City, Arsenal gives up a goal within the first couple of minutes. This time, minute number two, a header for Raheem Sterling. Uh, You just kind of got the feeling that that was the way the game might go. You just kind of got that feeling. What I will say, and what, and this was the controversy, I guess, I don't know, about the fans at the end of the game. I liked that at least they held it to one. It, it so often feels like, you know, you're pumped for a big game. The league leaders are in town, so you know it's an uphill battle. They're on an 18-game win streak, I'm sorry, 17 I think at the time. So you know it's going to be tough, but man, City came out with, (laughs) I heard it as soon as I said it, man, City, but man, City, that was pretty good of me, thanks everybody, came out strong, attacking, just, I mean, totally dominant, and obviously the goal. Well, I don't know what Rob Holding was doing. That He should have been tracking that ball a little better, gone up for a header or something. I don't know. Can't let, what is he, five foot seven Raheem Sterling score a header? I don't know. But it just kind of felt, even, even that first minute before, like it just felt like Man City were going to score soon. So they get the goal, and then the pressure was still on. So I, I think maybe in years past, a couple years past, Arsenal maybe crumbles there and, and the score gets a touch out of hand at two or three in the first half hour, 40 minutes. But, and this is where the fan seemed to be split. The fans seem to be split. I like that they kept it at one. And I think that's a sign of progress. Now you have those hardcore fans. I don't know. Hardcore is maybe not the right word, but the fans who are like, "Oh, you, you're happy with one nothing. You're happy with a loss. You settle for mediocrity." Okay, okay. Can we just freaking relax with the whole? We're gonna settle for mediocrity now. That's where we're at. We should demand a win or whatever they're saying. I don't care. I didn't read enough of their tweets to care. Because what, it like, sorry you're losing to Manchester City. You know who else lost to Manchester City? The previous 17 teams who played them. Oh, and by the way, the next team in the Champions League knockout stages lost to them. I mean, 
going down one nothing in the first two minutes, and then the final score is one nothing. I mean, obviously, moral victories are. See, like that's what I, I guess they're getting at is moral victories are don't mean a whole lot in the grand scheme. I, I don't know what I, I don't know, but like I get you know like oh moral victories, yay! Which I guess is their point, but at the same time. Like, not falling apart and seeing the score go to, like, two or three because mentally they've just been defeated, to me, is great. You've, you've, okay, you've maybe kind of blundered yourself into a a one-nothing deficit. But I think not getting down and saying, oh, here we go again. Here we go. They're going to crush us now because we've been pinned back. And here we go. It's going to... Oh, here we go. You know what? They did it. They said, you know what? Shake that off and go. And that's what they did. You can argue, and I think it's a fair point, that they could have gone for it a little more. So, like, maybe if the final score is 2 nothing, but City scores in the last 10, 15 minutes because Arsenal's pressing so hard to score, I, I think that's a fair result still. Just as fair as one. But, but and, you know, sure, you can probably say, well, they could have put a little more pressure to score and they could have gone for it a little more. But, hey... One nothing ain't the end of the world. City are gonna, I mean, realistically, they're gonna win the league. At the end of the day, there's no shame in it. And to me, it looks like everybody's tired. And and maybe I'll get to that in the Benfica game because it kind of looked like that to me again. There's been a lot of soccer played. Some of these guys, granted, Jaka, Saka. Smith Rowe and now Odegaard are playing a bunch of games in a row like I think I saw Xhaka hasn't been out since like a month and a half ago it's pretty crazy that a midfielder has played every single minute especially with the condensed schedule for a month and a half it's, it's pretty good I mean you know feels like maybe he shouldn't have to do that but with injuries and whatever it is what it is but hey end of the day uh, my mentally weak self I guess I don't know is going to take a one nothing loss to City because of the way they responded that's why I appreciate that they didn't get down on themselves and that they dug in and I appreciate that. And I think that says some good stuff moving forward. I don't know. Call me naive, but hey, this podcast is my own. You're free to disagree. That's just the way I see it. So, plot hole rating. Obviously. Seven and a half. Wait a minute. That's bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Seven and a half. I, I just remember my scale. One, like, they played great. Ten, they did 
Seven and a half feels good. They let up a goal in the first two minutes. Can't have that. Uh, but they dug in. And I think uh, a little bit of lack of creativity. Odegaard didn't really see much of the ball. Yeah. There's some problems, obviously. But it is what it is. There you go. At least they didn't like totally blunder it like they did the Wolves game. I don't know. Which would you take? The Wolves game where you're up, you know, one nothing, and dominating the game, and then your own dumb selves. Wow. Okay, the red card against Luis was harsh. We all agree. But your own mistakes come are, are haunt you. There you go. You lose two to one. I don't know. Oh, oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna hit the brakes here. Okay, we're all good, everybody. We are all good. So I can keep going. 7.5 out of 10 plot hole rating for the Arsenal. Oh, a cop pulled someone over in the middle of the busiest section of the highway. Bold choice. You got to do what you got to do. Respect him for doing his job. Okay. Game number two in the last week happened mere hours ago. I talked about it in the intro. Arsenal. V Benfica, the quote-unquote home leg of the Europa League round of 32 with Arsenal and Benfica at a 1-1 draw on the first leg, the away leg. This was played in Athens, Greece. That's why I put that home leg in quotes. Obviously, coronavirus messing with some scheduling again. Oh, and oh boy. Strong lineup. After the City game, Mikel Arteta called the game against Benfica a final. He said this is basically a final. Recognizing the need. Ooh, gonna have to merge here. Okay, recognizing the need to win this game. It's so important. Maybe I'll do a table watch later. Arsenal are, are, are in 11th. A ways out from Champions League. This is their best shot now. I, I You have to think. And I've seen some articles saying so. And I'll talk about that in my... Am I the arse later? But I think, you know... Looking like I was right last week. Regardless, Arteta called it a final. So I was excited to see what the lineup was going to be. Because to me, if you're calling a, a, a particular match a final, a must-win is what that means, right? Then you're going to put out the lineup you think is the best, right? I mean, I'm not crazy to think that. I don't think I'm crazy for that. If you say it's a final, you're going to put the best squad you think you have. So I was excited to see how we lined up. What Arteta thinks if he's going to play a final tomorrow, what his lineup will be. Turns out he quote unquote played a final today and oh my gosh, was it ever. And the lineup was telling. Obviously, the back four. I mean, it's kind of like whatever. You know, Bellerin, some people are like, oh, Hector's washed. 
get Cedric Suarez in there. Whatever. I like Hector. Some of the performances, he's he's missing a step. And the injury history kind of makes sense as to why he's missing a step from where he was. But sometimes, you know, you got to look past that. Yes, some of his performances are shaky, but man, sometimes they're great. I don't, I'm not surprised at all with Hector being there. Uh, obviously, Gabriel and Luis withholding out with a concussion. That was pretty clear. I do think you might have seen holding for Luis if he was fit. But none of that's surprising. KT, obviously, is the, like, the most given ever. And then the real interesting part was the midfield. Obviously, Partey in the squad. That was cool, but injured. Obviously, I don't think anybody expected him to start. Ceballos and Jaka, not a surprise. The attacking midfielders and the striker where it got interesting. Again, if Arteta thinks this is his best lineup, cool. But I was curious, and he went with what he's been going with. Odegaard in the middle with Smith-Rowe on the left, Saka on the right, and Obama Yang up top. Like, I don't know. Maybe it's just me, but... I mean, I'm happy with it. The whole Smith-Rowe thing is interesting. Because I kind of fall on the side that... He's just not as good on the left as he is in the center. And if Smith-Rowe's going to play, perhaps that's where he should be. But it's tough having brought Odegaard in to basically do that. I don't know. But I think at some point you got to give Smith-Rowe another break. Or Odegaard. He's played a lot. And I think maybe you just slide Pepe on the left there. Or what I want to see is Martinelli. But obviously his injury history and the fact that he's, what, 18, 19? They're going to slow roll that. So, you know. I'd love to see Martinelli get some minutes. But if you're going to sit him for, you know, developmental reasons or whatever, you're going to use to turn your news. I think maybe Pepe on the left there and bring Smith Rowe on for Odegaard. You know, 75th minute if you have to, something like that. But hey, that's the lineup they went with. People were kind of mad about Lacazette not being in for a bummy yang. Uh, the results today kind of say, well, you know, whatever. Shut up about it. That's what it was. Lineup for a basically a must-win game. I'll say it. Arteta said it. It's a must-win game. And they came out flat. I don't know if that's a result of just how many matches they've played and how just intense they play with pressing and I'm sure the training sessions are intense. I don't know. But if... I looked a little bit at Twitter, which, uh, you know, if I can watch, I avoid Twitter. Because usually the stream is just a touch behind live. And anyway, people on Twitter can be, you know, whatever. But I looked and you got some of those... Some of those, uh, uh, 
I'm getting a little nervous. Tweets coming. Like, Arsenal, don't... Don't do this to me. Benfica are in a poor form. Please just score a couple early and just knock this one out. Go to the next round. And do it all again. What does Arsenal do? No, not that. Certainly not that. They come out a little flat, but then... He's a mother-freaking star, boy. Bakoyo Saka with an absolute beautiful ball. Cutting the defense open like a, like a hot knife to butter. Slicing them, dicing them right through. Aubameyang runs on. A really nice finish, if we're all being honest with each other. Dinking it over the keeper. 1-0 Arsenal. And you think, okay, sure. That's awesome. Just don't let them score? A team that didn't seem to have much attacking threat, just don't let them score? I don't know. Pretty self-explanatory. And then they kind of like fell back into this like complacent, like, oh, we're winning. Let's just hold the lead, which I'm never a fan of, we're being honest with each other. It doesn't matter what sport it is. Like, I'll watch, I'll watch American football, you know? Like I've said before, my guys are the Pittsburgh Steelers. If they're winning in the fourth quarter and they just kind of play that prevent defense where they just give up yards and stuff, I've never been a fan of it. Any sport, soccer, hockey, uh, baseball's a little harder to do that, but you can. Pirates are never really good enough for me to like get mad about that. But hey, if that's the way Arteta tells them to play, then whatever. That's what the players are going to do. And I think maybe that falls on Arteta. Maybe that falls on him not wanting to wear everybody out. Didn't work. Didn't work. Esteballos gives away a silly foul at the edge of the box. Like, I don't know. Didn't seem necessary, that's for sure. But hey, how often do free kicks outside the box come to anything? <laughs> Who cares? It sure did this time. And an absolutely... Carter. Perfect free kick by the Benfica guy. Don't know. Don't care who it is. Just know that, whoa, Burn Leno had zero shot at that. And it was just perfect. So, whatever. 1-1. Now you got to score again. And uh, we got the firepower to do it. Already did it once in the game. Let's go again. Halftime, second half comes out. And, you know, they're pressing. They're pushing. They know they need to score. And it looks like they're gonna. And then... And then... And then... The Arsenal jumped out. Benfica's keeper gets it. Punts it up quick to try to take advantage of the 
the pressure Arsenal puts on. Oh, no, it's all right. We got a defender back there, Ceballos. I trust him. The Benfica striker reads it perfectly. Instead of, you know, slowing up to try and... You know, put pressure on uh, on Danny when he when he gets the ball. He blows by to try to cut off the back pass to Leno, and Ceballos' header isn't hard enough, and the Benfica guy just picks it up. Leno is basically toast at that point. Comes out, does his best to try to you know do whatever. It's so it was it was done there. 2-1 Benfica. And now on away goals, Arsenal needs two in 30 minutes, 35 minutes. <laughs> oh. They barely got two in a game and a half. You wanted them to get two in 30 minutes? I watched this Arsenal team. wasn't helpful wasn't extremely helpful but hey they push on 10 minutes later whatever whatever 5-10 minutes later everybody's guy Karen Tierney blasted one in the back of the net brings it level 2-2 okay now they need one more I should mention the subs Smith Rowe comes off and Ceballos comes off. I feel like the Ceballos for Thomas Partey is self-explanatory. If he's fit, he should play, get some minutes under his belt. Uh, Also, he's the best midfielder we have in that position, so yeah, duh. Uh, The Willian for Smith Rowe sub is gonna raise some eyebrows. The simple question and the obvious question is why not either Pepe or Martinelli? Why Willian? To which I have no idea. I have no idea. And just like you, I don't know. I get sticking with your guys. I get like he signed a three-year deal. I mean, nobody's going to take him, right? And it's, I so highly doubt they're going to just cut him. Cancel his contract. It just doesn't... I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. But at the same time, you got to be, like, having your players back as a manager. I get that. They're down. Show your confidence. Put them back in. I trust you, Arteta says. Over and over. I'd love to have seen Martinelli... You know my thoughts on that if you've listened to the first three. I love Martinelli. Shoot, Pepe would have been great. He'd, he'd been, you know, in some pretty good form. Went with Willian. Uh, two goals down. You need two goals and you go with, I don't know. It kind of worked though, right? As Willian goes and assists Tierney on his goal. There you go. It's not like it was the most complicated assist of all time. But he did it. Gotta give him props for it. He did what he's supposed to do. 
got an assist. So, yeah. Hey, there you go. 2-2, two two, Kieran Tierney's the best uh, left back ever. Just kidding. But he's great. And the fire and the fire and intensity he showed. He scored and he goes, we, we need one more. I'm not celebrating this right now. Let's go. And everyone's like, yeah, let's go. And uh, they, they did. They put a lot of pressure on him. Just didn't seem the breakthrough was coming. And I was so nervous that Arsenal were going to just blow it. How many times has Arsenal scored in the last 10 minutes of a game? Like, lately? I don't know. Never? Like, I don't... The last time I can remember them scoring a crucial goal in the last 10 minutes, it's like last year? Early last year? Maybe even before that? I don't know. I'm sure I'm forgetting. I'm sure I'm forgetting them because... You know how the the bad times stick in your memory more than the good, but it just wasn't looking great. And then he's our mother freaking star boy, Bakoyo Saka, a lovely assist to the captain himself, Aubameyang three to two Arsenal, and it's not like you can even relax. I mean, like I was going. Not so in my office. I'm by myself, sitting at my computer, just going nuts. Like, oh my gosh, like, yeah, you know what I'm saying. If you're listening to this podcast, you probably felt what I felt. The relief to have scored, the like, oh my god, now I have to sweat bullets for five minutes. The roller coaster. Was he offside? Oh my god. If he was offside, that'd just be heartbreaking. Wasn't. Unlike his chance the time before where he was like a millimeter offside. Wasn't this time, that's all that matters, 3-2 and Arsenal going to freaking straight. Like, if you're a fan, me. Panic. Like, oh my god, now we gotta freaking not give up a goal in the next... Five ten minutes. How much stoppage time is left? Oh baby! Oh my gosh, that was crazy. I fully get you know you look on Twitter and like oh my you're gonna give somebody a heart attack. I I think yeah, you you might. Sweating bullets. They bring on Chambers and El Nani. Yeah, sure. They did it. They saw it through. <laughs> Never make it easy, do they? Plot holes rating. Let's let's review, shall we? Should have been more goals. Yeah, duh. Should have been less goals for Benfica. Yeah, duh. So I can't give them like a great plot holes rating, but I can enjoy the heck out of the win. And Sokka and Aubameyang coming through when it mattered most. So let's go with a solid six. It almost feels harsh to give them, like, to say that they were below average, but they were, right? Like, I can't not say that. Not that much rosy glasses or whatever. Wasn't great. But they did it. 
they dug deep like they did in the city game to defend that. To defend against, like, falling apart. They did it again today. Like, two to one, they could have fallen apart. And been like, oh my god, here we go again. We're blowing it. And just mentally, just like, especially after the the way the Ceballos error kind of played out. Like, you could be like, just totally deflated. And mentally just not there. But they didn't. And and that's a credit to them. Big time. So there you go. Two games played in the last week. Not favorable plot hole scores. But they won the they won the Europa League game. At the end of the day. It's kind of what matters, huh? So it is what it is. They win. Go through to the round of 16. Really, really like crossing my fingers they don't get drawn uh, an English squad. Because the weakest English squad is Spurs, and I don't want to do that right now. Just, just, I mean, the, the pressure on those games would be so crazy. But hey, we'll see. And when the draw comes out, I'm sure we'll talk about it. No Spurs. Uh, at least not yet. At least, you know, whatever. No Man United. No Leicester. And and you know what? We can go from there. So, yeah. Plot holes wrapped up. And so that takes us to... Uh, the other segment that I have. Am I the arse and all? So, let me try to find the noise for that. Okay, and here we go. Okay. Uh, so. Am I the Arsenal? Let's review last week. My question was, should Arsenal focus on Premier League, getting top four, even top six to get Europa League? Or should they focus on the Europa League, try to win that, which is, I don't know, I don't know if it's harder. But it's just a different type of hard. That way, you, you win a major trophy and you secure Champions League. I argued they should focus on Europa League because I didn't have a whole lot of faith in the City game going well. Plus, even if it did, it was like there's still a lot of ways out of top four, even if they won or drew. So I said, go Europa League. What happens? They lose to Man City. I looked at the table before recording. Thank you. Feel feel good about doing a basic level of research. Not totally embarrassing myself. Arsenal are six points out of top six as they sit in 11th. 11 points out of top four. And they've played 25 games. That means they've got 13 to go. I don't see it, man. I, I don't know. I hate to be a downer, but like, you gotta jump a lot of teams. They're eleven. Anyway, feel like I'm proven right that they had to go for Europa League. An ESPN article midweek was like, "Well, Arsenal's got to go for the Europa League now," and I just felt so like vindicated in my in my apparently not hot take. Well, I guess they better go for Europa. Yeah, 
Ha. I was on that train before you guys were. Ha ha. Anyway. It's not about who was on that train first, because I'm sure I wasn't first. Anyway. I just feel good about it. So yeah. There you go. Focus on your oblique. Yeah. Into the last 16. So they're still still in it. Still got a shot. Oh, hello. Is he mad at me? Oh, no. He's not mad at me, guys. Wasn't mad at me. Let's go. He was in another car. We're in a bit of a bumper to bumper here. And this guy's trying to be a jerk. Yeah, I'm sure you guys know how that goes. Anyway. So. What's this week's question? That's a good question, if you're wondering. I haven't fully thought one out, because evidently my basic level of preparation ended when I looked at the table. But I do have one here, and it is... Do Arsenal stick with the Odegaard in the center, Smith Row on the left thing they've been doing? Because I think... So to me, that's a really interesting question because I don't know. Having watched the last couple where they've done that, Smith Rowe just looks a lot less effective on the left. I just think that his effectiveness is true. I mean, his position's in the middle. But then it seems so is Odegaard's. Now, Maybe you flip that and you say, let's go Smith-Rowe in the middle and Odegaard on the left. I mean, they kind of interchange anyway, right? But it just feels like Smith-Rowe's effectiveness kind of kind of dips when he's over there. And again, that could just be he's played like a boatload since Christmas. So maybe it's just or or whatever. But still, I think it's a fair question to ask because even... so Because you got to think Smith-Rowe on the left, sure. But then you've got Pepe and Martinelli. I talked about this a little bit earlier. Either one of them could come in on the left. Would they be more effective? You saw Pepe looking great a couple weeks ago on the left by the way sneaky sneaky crazy genius move from Arteta throwing Sokka on the right Pepe on the left they look awesome there right I mean I know it's not just me but that's not what this topic's about the question is do we stick with Smith Rowe and Odegaard on the pitch at the same time Am I the arse, you know, for thinking that they don't? For thinking that you you could do that sometimes, sure. But I don't know. I think Smith Rowe's best position's down the middle. And certainly Arteta thinks Odegaard's best position is down the middle. So, perhaps then, you do just rotate them a little bit more. And you say, dude, speed up and get in. Come on. 
I'll have to go a little better faster than that. Thank you. Like Smith Rowe, a game, Odegaard off the bench. Or Odegaard for the game, Smith Rowe off the bench. I don't know. I know that was the worry when Odegaard came in. Like, will he stunt Smith Rowe? Will he put Smith Rowe on the bench? Will Odegaard get playing time as a lone E? All valid questions. I just think, after having watched it especially, you almost have to do it that way. And get Pepe in. Or Martinelli in. Obviously, I understand the hesitation with Martinelli. But, he's awesome. And he should get minutes. So, I don't know. But, I'll pose the question to you uh, listeners as well. Should Arsenal stick with Odegaard, center, Smith-Rowe left? Or should they just scrap that, put somebody else on the left, and have Odegaard and Smith-Rowe kind of like rotate center mid attacking midfielder duties? I say the latter. Let me know. You can find me on Twitter at Making an Arsenal. I am awesome at uh, tweeting. Full sarcasm. Uh-oh. I'm going to have to merge carefully on myself here. There it is. Okay. Uh, and yeah, by awesome at tweeting, I fully mean I'm not. But hey, we'll get there. Have I tweeted out any of the links of the past two episodes? No. It's on me. It's easy to do. I don't, I don't know, man. I think I just get in my head about like trying to be f- like creative with my tweets, and I don't. I get a little like, hey, the pressure's on to tweet. I have no followers. What is the pressure for? Just tweet the link, Dan. Regardless, I'll tweet them. Don't worry. And you can find me at Making an Arsenal. Let me know. Am I the arse for saying that Smith Rowe... I love Smith Rowe, guys, so don't don't take any of that out of context. But should Smith Rowe and Odegaard take the center and have somebody else play the left? Let me know. That'll wrap up that segment. I feel like I'm doing well time-wise. Ooh, an eight-minute segment. Good job, Dan. You went 30 minutes on the last one. But it was two games. We're good. So, that wraps that up. I talked a little bit about my table watch. Arsenal set at 11th. Like I said, six points off top six, 11 off the top four. And obviously a number of teams ahead of them. And around them. Behind them. So, We'll see how that progresses. Europa League. They're into the round of 16. And we'll see who they draw. We'll talk about that when that happens. So, that's going to wrap up this podcast, I believe. If you have any thoughts, anything you want me to talk about more, anything you think I should improve on, or just want to say good job, bad job, whatever. Hit me up. Like I said, I'm on Twitter. I've said it twice or three times. But hey, a little personal shout out. Never heard anybody again. At 
making an Arsenal. Yeah. If you're an Arsenal fan, be, like, disappointed, I guess, that they didn't put the game away early. But, like, don't be mad that they won. Right? Enjoy yourselves. You're going to sit through the stress of that game. Enjoy yourselves. And that's what I'll leave you on. I'm going to enjoy myself. Go Arsenal. And uh, go you guys. Thanks for listening. This has been Making an Arse and I Love Myself. And until we meet again next week, see ya.